This is my prayer in the desert When all that's within me feels dry This is my prayer in my hunger and need My God is the God who provides This is my prayer in the fire In weakness or trial or pain There is a faith fruit more than gold So refine me, Lord, through the flame I will bring praise, I will bring praise No weapon formed against me shall remain I will rejoice, I will declare God is my victory
Good morning. How's everybody this morning? Sounded like you're pretty lame. Right? It's cold. It's cold. Everybody, how are you? All right. We have a number of people away today. Um, we knew that. Um, but one of our people away is our praise and leader, Wayne. And tomorrow is his 50th birthday. So um, hopefully everybody was caught. If not, at the beginning, coming in, we'd like you to go ahead. There's a card out there we'd like everybody to sign. He'll be back next week. But we also want like you, um, even if you're visiting day, go ahead and sign it. Uh, he does so much for us, and we're just thrilled that um, we have him, and um, we're blessed to have him. So, all right? You guys ready to worship and warm up? All right. Stand on up. There I am. I scared myself here for a second. <laughs> My bass isn't working. All right, so now, like we said, some of, a lot of our singers are away, so we need, we need you to really sing out and worship the Lord today, okay? All right? All right. Everybody's like, ah. Everybody's like, ah, oh, no. Ah. June was All right. <laughs> I know June and Chris will. Yeah, everybody's got to sing louder than Chris. How many like sweets? Good luck with that. How many like sweets? How many like donuts? Ooh. Like anything? How many like candy? Ooh. Halloween's coming. You're going to rob your kids' candy. So. <laughs> So let's, but the sweetest thing is Jesus. And so let's just open with prayer. Lord God, we come here today. Uh, the change of the seasons tends to like mess with us. Uh, but God, we know that you are amazing and that we just need to stop and just focus on you. We recognize that many people may be watching online today and traveling, but ultimately, God, we know that you are with us always and that you guide us and direct us. So let's just dedicate this time to you and just connect to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Every day with you, Lord, is sweeter than the day before. Every day with you, Lord, is sweeter than the day before. Every morning I will worship, every evening I'll adore. Because every day with you is sweeter, sweeter than the day before. What a privilege to know you like I know you, to be loved like you love me. What an honor to worship, truly worship, from this heart that you have free. From the rising of the sun to the setting of the same, every day with you, Lord. Sweeter than the day before. Every day with you, Lord. Sweeter than the day before. Every morning I will worship. Every evening I'll adore. Cause every day with you is sweeter, sweeter than the day before. What a wonder to live, I really live, I 
Overcoming everything What a reason to lift up Freely lift up Every day my everything From the rising of the sun To the setting of the same Every day with you, Lord than the day before every day with you Lord is sweeter than the day before every morning I will worship every evening I'll adore cause every day with you is sweeter sweeter than the day before Every day with you, Lord, is sweeter than the day before. Every day with you, Lord, is sweeter than the day before. Every morning I will worship, every evening I'll adore. Cause every day with you is sweeter, sweeter than the day before. kind of like a halfway clap it is like should i clap or wasn't it it was like clap all right. you know, this, this kind you, of weather kicks in chris afterwards. you ready to get these people awake you ready to get awake and worship <laughs> tell them tell them chris tell them come on there you go there you go all right here we go one of the things that we look for in life is that um you know, we, we sing it. So one of the greatest songs in ever written, one of the most recognized songs in the world, is a song called Amazing Grace. And there's been several different variations of that. And, um, you know, it's, it's, that's so much in our, in our vernacular that we forget about how awesome the grace of God is. Uh, matter of fact, there's a person I had, I've had in class. Her name's Grace. And every day when I call her name, I say, Grace, how are you? And if she says, fine, I say, nope, how are you? She'll say, amazing. I make her say amazing every day. <laughs> um, so... But we all have that amazing grace, whether our name's grace or not. And so we want to go ahead and just really focus on the amazing grace of God and how he just has the power to break all our sin, to take care. He conquered death. Um, guess what? Everybody's going to die. But it, uh, as a friend of mine used to say, um, it's what we do in this life and how we connect to the Lord, whether we have reservations for smoking or non-smoking. <laughs> so um, I don't know about you, but I want non-smoking. All right. So here we go. One. Who breaks the power of sin and darkness? Whose love is mighty and so much stronger? The King of glory, the King above all kings. Who shakes the whole earth with holy thunder? Who leaves us breathless in awe and wonder? The King of glory, the King above all kings. Yeah, this is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. 
you would lay down your life that I would be set free. Whoa, Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. Who brings our chaos back into order? Who makes an orphan a son and daughter? The King of glory, the King of glory. Who rules the nations with truth and justice? Sounds like the sun in all of its brilliance. The King of glory, the King above all kings. Yeah, this is amazing grace. This is unfailing love That you would take my place That you would bear my cross Oh, you would lay down your life That I would be set free Whoa, Jesus, I sing for All that you've done for me Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. And worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy, worthy, worthy. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. Oh, that you would bear my cross. Oh, you would lay down your life. That I would be set free. Oh. Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. Let's do that worthy again. Ready? Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy, worthy, worthy. Yeah, this is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. So you would lay down your life. That I would be set free. Whoa, Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. All that you've done for me.
This is the air I breathe. This is the air I breathe. Your holy presence living in me. This is the air I breathe. is the air I breathe, your holy presence living in me, and I, I'm desperate for you.
Lord God, as we come to you today, we just thank you for bringing us through another week. For some of us, it may have been just a difficult week where we're just trying to shut out loss and hurt. For others of us, it may have just been a great week where we just sensed your presence all around. But wh whatever it is, God, we are all desperate for you and just need you in our lives. We need you to help clarify our directions. We need you to help heal wounds. We need you to, to, to provide where there's no provision. But ultimately, God, we just need you. And so during this time, I pray that we'll just focus, get centered, and just do nothing but focus on you. And that we, we display that we're just desperate for you. And that, God, when we're desperate for you, you come in to the rescue and you're right there with us, bringing us what we need through your presence. In Christ's name, we all pray. Amen. All right, as our children go um, to our Shoreline Sunday School, I want you to just greet people around you. Say hi. Yes, she is. Um. All right, good morning. Before we get in uh, any further, um, Bobby Brickner, who's head of our uh, Sunday School Shoreline uh, Sunday School Ministry, is going to share a, a brief thing real quick. Go ahead, Bobby. Hi. October 30th at 6.30 p.m. That's a Friday. It's the night before actual Halloween. So this is an opportunity for, instead of taking your kids door-to-door -to, -door to strangers, you can bring them trunk-to-trunk -trunk with your church family here at Haven. Um, I'm going to send around sign-up sheets, and we're looking for people to help by providing trunks and candy um, or to help with games, to help with food, um, to help judge. Some ideas for trunks are to think about cartoons, so Dora or Spongebob, to think about superheroes, Spider-Man, Batman, Wonder Woman, themes, Legoland, um, biblical, Rainbow and God's Promise, or Daniel in the Lion's Den. There are a lot of wonderful ideas online, and we really want to make this a wonderful opportunity for our kids. So if you can help us in any way, um, just do the sign-up sheet, and we will be getting back to you. Thanks so much. And trunks are cars, right? Trunks are cars. There we go. Okay. So, yeah. All right. We want to make sure. So, um, I've heard people say junk in your trunk, and you don't want that. So, all right. You don't want to decorate that. We certainly don't want to see that. But you can see this right here. It's, um, you've got the, uh, got the uh, insert there that you can take with you and go ahead and connect. We've got a lot of inserts this week. Um, another one that we have... That's in there. You have this little, um, it's kind of combined. You have Haven's Helping Hands Thanksgiving Food Drive. 
and you can see the different items that are there for the food drive. Uh, this year we're looking for 30. Is that, the, is that the number? Last year we had what? 29, and we, we, set six, we sent 16. We, want, we got 30. We got 29, so we want more. You want to say anything? Go ahead. Last year, we, I asked for 16 boxes, and we did 29, which was awesome. We were able to help 26 families in, throughout the whole community, and the rest went to family members that were here. There's two sheets, as Jack was saying. One is for if you or somebody you know is in need of a Thanksgiving meal, fill that little sheet out, fold it up. You can either put it in the offering plate, or you can see me. Um, I will be outside uh, next, for the next couple of Sundays at a table. We are, are also, last year, if anyone remembers, you can, we're doing boxes, which means we'll, we'll be bringing you a box in. You will put in a whole meal. You can do it as a group if you have a small group or your family wants to do it or an aisle here at church wants to do it all together. And bring, just sign your name by the item. If you're doing a whole box, put a line across all the way here. Put your name or the group and a phone number that I can contact you about it. The items will start coming in, if it's non-perishable, from November 2nd, but the whole box with the turkey on November 22nd, the Sunday prior to Thanksgiving, so that I can deliver them. And if you are, have a desire to help me deliver them, let me know, because I can use as much help as I possibly can. But we really want to bless those. Um, God's blessed each of us um, in a lot of many different ways, and we want to share that blessing with the people in our community to show them that they're not forgotten and that they are loved. So anything you can do would be great. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Donna. All right, a couple other things that we have here today and also November 15th is uh, we serve at the Paris Foundation. If you'd like to be part of that, um, you can contact Bonnie. I know that um, the 15th will be here before we know it. Um, and so uh, I believe we're all good for today. But um, it's a great opportunity if anyone has ever. How many of you have ever served at the Paris Foundation? Done that? So that's, it's a great opportunity. That's great to see them, uh, that many people that do that. We mentioned about the uh, Thanksgiving box. You can look at the uh, fundraiser for the Cecil County Pregnancy Center and um, all kinds of other announcements. So I know we have a lot, but it is getting that time get pretty soon. We'll be talking Operation Christmas Child. Um, pretty soon. So that, uh, that'll be here before we know it as well. A um, couple of uh, prayer requests. Again, if you're watching online, we welcome you. If you're visiting here today, we welcome you. We hope that you received the card. If you did not get that card, um, please see that as you, as you head out. We want to make sure we get your information. Have a small gift for you. Thank you for being part of the church um, and worship today. And if you're watching online, welcome. Uh, we're glad that you're here. But if, when it comes to prayer requests, if you're here, we have some underneath the... Um, the sconce in the back, you can go ahead and pull out a, a piece of paper and you can write down your prayer request and then we'll share them with church and add them to our prayer list. If um, you're online, there's also a link to go ahead. If you go home and say, oh, I had this prayer request, go ahead and click there. It goes right to our prayer list coordinator and that will get out um, in prayer. Today we have a joy. Um, Don and Bill Wiggum are celebrating their son Travis's 29th birthday. Um, good. Uh, Jim continued healing prayers um, for his wife after her kidney stone procedure. Everything's good? All right. A lot better than the procedure, correct? There we go. All right. Um, and for uh, the Elkins family, particularly uh, Carl, as his, um, his oldest brother passed away and they, uh, in West Virginia, and they just came back from his funeral. Okay? Um, let's go to the Lord in prayer.
Heavenly Father, we come to you today recognizing just how incredibly awesome that you are, Lord. And we just ask that you be with us during this time, that we have an incredible worship, one that just focuses on you. And God, we recognize that there are many needs. There are people who are experiencing loss, and there's people who have had loss, and now life for everybody else goes back to the way it always was. But for them, it's not the same. And so God, we ask that your healing hand and your presence be with them. For those of us here, we aren't here by mistake. We're here because you've called us here. You've called us to be here, and you have something special for us. For some of us, we've had a difficult week, and we just need to know that you're still there and that you're still listening. Whatever it may be, God, we just ask that you just, uh, you just be present. Bring us what we need. If you need to push us and, and have us lean closer to you, do that. If you need to empty us out so that we can be filled by you, go ahead and do that. Whatever it may be, if you want to send us somewhere to share something with somebody, God, make that very, very clear here today. But whatever it may be, we pray that you will be glorified in it. And so, God, as we journey through this service, let us just stop at this point as we continue our worship to give you your tithe and our offerings. We've been so blessed, so blessed. Yeah, we recognize that it's difficult and and that some things aren't like they, we thought they would be at this point in time. But God, you always provide. You're, one of your, the names for you is Jehovah Jireh. You will provide. And so God, we're just trusting in you that. And I trust for people right now who may be in earshot of what I'm saying, whether it be online or whether it be here, that they hear about your provision. And so God, I ask for a special blessing upon the tither and the giver, whether it be here, whether it be online. We thank you for their gifts and their faithfulness. But ultimately, we thank you for the fact that You say, test me on this. And when we give to you, God, you multiply it and use it to further your kingdom. Not for us to keep and store in a storehouse, but for us to use. We just shared today about how last year we were able to reach 29 families with meals for Thanksgiving. On top of that, we're talking about serving at the Paris Foundation for a number of people who who have nothing. And God, you say when you do the least of these, you also do to me. So find us faithful and help us respond in an attitude of worship and gratitude toward you. For all these things, we give you praise and we ask for your anointing to be upon these gifts and upon each of us. In Christ's mighty name we pray. Amen.
Good morning. Today's scripture comes from Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11, imitating Christ's humility. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. People have been used in a new dental experiment. The theory that death loss can keep one. What are you laughing about? It's funny when they do that. Out of the 200 it's funny when they do what? It's funny when they do that. Am I missing something? Dad, you're watching it wrong. A mass accident occurred on State Highway. Right, good morning. Okay, everybody excited to be here? You warmed up? Everybody feeling good? I miss summer. I like warmth. Remember I said last week, none of, we're never happy, we're always complaining? Yeah, give us time. Like, I, like the first snowfall, I'll be like, yes! Isn't it beautiful? And I'll be like, ah, about the 10th, I'll be like, is this ever going to get out of here? And um, we'll be good. So, welcome. We are in week two of our series called Perspective. If you, um, if you uh, missed last week, by all means, go ahead and check it out online. Uh, we, had, we had the first week on there. We've got two more weeks um, to this. And so, um, so we, uh, we're gonna, what we're doing with this series, we're diving in, everybody diving in to the book of Philippians. And um, we're looking at some high points in God's Word to change our perspective about how we do life. So um, it's it's kind of pressing. It's going to have something for all of us to go ahead and have something that, that goes ahead and presses our lives. So um, interesting enough, that song that Fred uh, just sang, um, February song, um, in looking, um, a lot of people have had interviews and asked um, where that song came from. And he said he woke up in the middle of the night and began to sit at the piano and began to write that. And he said it happened to a time where he was very alone and had millions of questions that he had no answers for. Um, does that sound like anybody? Anybody? Anybody there? So it's um, it's good to go ahead 
and just look at that. And that's uh, Josh Groban. So I appreciate Fred doing that. It's, you know, we, I'm so thrilled that we are just in our seventh year of a church. And it's pretty amazing to see how God moves and how God has provided us people with so many talents that when our leader, Wayne, is away and um, uh, some of our singers away, Jill and Shelley, that we can pop right up and continue with a new group. And so we are very blessed, have been from the beginning, um, to have people um, to go ahead and do that. So we are thoroughly blessed in that. But today what we're going to do, we're going to go ahead and we're going to look and delve a little bit more into Philippians. And as we do, um, I don't know about you, but there are times in life where when you see something new, that all of a sudden something you saw the same way forever, uh, you ha- and you, all of a sudden something shows to you and you go, I never saw it like that before. And it just kind of changes your perspective. I find it kind of cool. Anybody like that? Like when you see something, you'll look at something a billion times and then all of a sudden you'll see it something new and you'll go, Oh my gosh, Eureka, there we go, we have this. So what I want to do is I want to call that a mind shift today, okay? So we're going to talk about mind shifts, and it's when our mind goes from one way of thinking that we've always thought to another totally different way of thinking. And before I forget, one announcement that we didn't mention today was the coat drive. So if you forgot your coat drive, you can contact with Laura in the back or some other information, and we'll go ahead, and I know there's some other places. Um, you can wave your hand, and um, there she is back there, and we'll make sure um, that they get to the right place. We're collecting coats. Um, okay, so I was just thinking about in my life sometimes where I had mind shifts, and there's been a couple over my life. Um, I've had a, a lot of them, but I was thinking one time when I was doing what was called a clinical pastoral education where I had to be a ch- hospital chaplain for 40 hours a week in addition to other, um, to schooling and other things. And I remember, and some of you may have heard this story before, but I remember Melissa was in a high-risk pregnancy with Jacob. Um, we were at the hospital like every day, um, expecting to, our first child, had no clue what that was about. Very nervous. Um, she had what was called an irritable uterus. Um, she didn't think it was very funny, but I said, now that makes everything honey. Um, so, but, um, but so, and we were, we were at the hospital every day, no joke. And so, um, I had a call on the, uh, the floor that I was in charge of. One was a maternity floor, and there was a fetal demise at, at 32 weeks. Now, keep in mind, what that, and you know what that means, the, um, the baby has died within the mother, and they have to deliver. Meanwhile, Melissa was about 30, 28 to 30 weeks, so it hit a little close to home. I went into the room, um, and then what we would do, we would go in. Somebody offered to go in. I said, no, 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 I got this, because I was always told, suck it up, do your job, go in. Anybody else taught that? Okay, so I went in, sucked it up, went in, did that, and I still remember the room. I remember how dark. I remember the down feeling um, that was existing there, the very depressing feeling, and I said some things, talked to them a little bit, and I remember I had to write up what was called a verbatim, where you would write it up, and you would write the experiences, um, keep, keeping the names, initials in for the names to go ahead and so that so you have privacy, but you had to express how you felt and what went on there. And I wrote this little statement. I couldn't wait to get out of the room. There, when I went and met with my group, one of the people that was there said, I offered to go ahead and let you in there. And he, I said, well, no, I told you no. And he said, yeah, but I offered. I knew it was too close. So we went through this whole kind of back and forth, back and forth. Then all of a sudden, everybody else started to yell at me. And if people start to yell at me at a group, I start to get like ready to fight people. Um, so I was looking for a big Bible to hit them all with. Um, but we were, we were talking, and finally the leader, John Pumphrey, went ahead and, and said, Jack, why did you go in there? I said, because that's my job. It is. He said, no, why did you go in there? I said, because it's my job. He said, why did you go in there? I said, because that's how I am. That's the way I am. And he looked at me, and he goes, why are you that way? 
And I didn't like that question at all because that makes me look into why I'm the way I did. But at that moment, I had a mind shift. You with me? On that area here. Or at one time when I, I was living Jack Cohen the lost years, um, that's what we'll call it, um, I came home one night, morning, whatever you want to call it, and my dad looked at me and he was saying many things. My dad made me a statement. He said, Jack, the Lord's never going to leave you, but one day he's going to let you go. And at that point, I just kind of like outwardly looked like I flippantly ignored it, but it was a mind shift that occurred within my head. All right. There may be others, like for instance, um, anybody knows John Maxwell. I heard a quote this past week about John Maxwell and success. I always look at success as being um, having money, having prestige, having initials, having all this kind of stuff. And John Maxwell says this, that success is when those who know you best love and respect you. That's a mind shift. Or you may have had a mind shift when you watched a great movie called Talladega Nights when they said, if you're not first, you're last. All right, with Ricky Bobby. But either way, what it is, today I want to go ahead and I want to focus on some of these mind shifts that we learn. And I want you to get to think again. I want you to think a little bit differently through a way of thinking. And by doing so, we want to look again at the context of Philippians. If you missed last week, I shared with you that Philippians is written by the Apostle Paul and to the church at Philippi, a church that he started about 52 AD. This is, he's writing this about 10 years later. And many believe that it was his favorite church. If he had a favorite one, that this would have been his favorite church because he had a great love for them. And when he was in need, this church responded with a financial gift. And he never accepted anything from anybody, but they gave him this great gift. And if you read through all four chapters of Philippians, there are at least 16 references to the mind or thought. And Paul talks about in Philippians the importance of how you think, what you remember, and yes, what your attitude is. So let's look, even though it was read for us, I want to look at it again. If you look at these first two verses that are printed in your bulletin, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with, his, with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my, here's the word from last week, joy, make my joy complete by being what? Like-minded and having the same love, being one in spirit, and purpose. What we see here is there's a, starting to get a little division in the church. I know no one has ever been part of a church where there's any division. But Paul encourages them to be like-minded. And I'm going to give you some Greek words here today, okay? So you're going you're to be able to speak a couple words of Greek. So today, um, lo, the word like-minded is the word phroneo. Phroneo. And it means to set your affection on, to think, or to be single or like-minded. So what does this matter? What's the big deal? Because there are so many scriptures and so many times that talk about the importance of how we think and how our minds work and how our minds need to think about certain things and to be in a, in a certain way. Let's look at a couple of these. One of them is James. James was the brother of Jesus. And he writes this, a double-minded man is unstable in all that he does. And that goes for ladies too. The Apostle Paul writes, I want you to be like-minded or single-minded. To, the, book, to the, the church in Rome, he writes this, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed. The little word is actually metamorphosis. To go through a metamorphosis, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will, his good and pleasing perfect will is. 
to Philippians, it says further, whatever is noble, whatever is pure, whatever is true, whatever is right, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on such things. And we go back to the book of Proverbs that says, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. I find that very fascinating because how many of you put on your thinking chest protectors? <laughs> right? We think where? In our heads. But what Paul tells us is that before we start to think something, it's conceived in our hearts. So when we, uh, well, the Proverbs says, so when, when it says here, as a man or woman thinks in their heart, you do. What your passion is is what you will respond to do. If you're passionate about Christ, you will come closer to him. If you're passionate about helping others, you will see that displayed in how you volunteer and how you give. Ultimately, we can look around our world and see what people think about, and you don't have to look very further than the mirror in your life about what people's passion is, is themselves. And so we're going to look at some mind shifts the rest of the day. And the first mind shift I want to share with you, here's a mind shift. Number one, how you think determines what you become. How you think determines what you become. I've always found it interesting, and I did it when I was younger. Several months ago, I shared with you about my love for Pete Rose and how I tried to copy his batting stance. It wasn't very successful. Um, But how when we idolize or when we look up to someone, often we try to copy them and emulate them. And many of us have heard imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. But what I've always found out is I know when I, when I was a young pastor, I wanted to have some of the similar traits and some of the similar gifts that my father had because he, uh, he had gone ahead and modeled that for me. I wanted to have some like John Hobbs, who was a great evangelist, some Billy Graham in there, and some Rick Warren and some others. And what I came to find, find out is that I had certain gifts and graces myself that I needed to use, and if I wasn't using them, if I was always trying to copy them, I would try to uh, put together a bad copy or um, something that's fake that didn't agree with me. What I needed to do is be myself and let God work in and through me, just as many of you do. We all have people that we want to emulate in jobs and in places of life, but here's the thing. We don't need to do what they do. What we need to do is to learn to think as they think. Because when they, if they think as God does, and if they think in, in the way, that way, then we can also begin to do the things and do the calling that God has caused us to do in our lives. For Paul, everything was about Jesus. And last week we mentioned that, where he said this, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. He says, I want you to have the mind of Christ. Why is it so important? Why is it so important? You know, you, right now, you may be like me and saying, how could I ever come close to having the mind of Jesus? How could I ever come close to living like Jesus? Because it really is about what goes on in the mind. And so I want to take you to mind shift number two. If you think like Jesus thought, you'll start to live like Jesus lived. If you think like Jesus thought, you'll start to live like Jesus lived. How? Empowered by the Holy Spirit. Because when the Holy Spirit comes into your life and you lean on him and you stay in the word and you stay in prayer and you stay in focus, then the things of God will minister to you, not from the outside like a telegram, but from within you, the Spirit of God comes through. So how did Jesus live? 
How did he think? He thought this way. He thought this way and lived it out. He wanted to please God and love others. That's not too hard, right? But it is. To please God and to love others. Think about when Jesus was asked, teacher, what is the greatest commandment? He gave two answers. And some of you have been around for a while have heard me say this. He gave two answers. And he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind. Hear that? With your heart. Why? Because that's where it starts. With all your mind and with all your soul and with all your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Keep in mind, that's not two separate things. As I shared many years ago, that what came to me one time was simply this. It was a mind shift. That it's not love. I can say, I love the Lord with everything that I am. I love the Lord. I love the Lord. I love the Lord with all my mind, with all my soul, with all my strength. I love the Lord. 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 Hey, I love the Lord. I love the Lord. I can say that till I'm blue in the face, that I love the Lord. But how it's expressed and how Jesus says it's expressed is how I love others as myself. You see, I can say I love God, but if I'm not serving and loving others, then guess what? I really don't because the whole reason why Jesus came was for others, and I'm one of them, and so are you. Anybody with me? All right. Paul was teaching this here when he says in verse 3, do nothing. Everybody say, do nothing. nothing. Look at the person next to you. Say, "Do do nothing. Look at the person behind you. Say, do nothing. Look at somebody later on today when they want you to do something, say, do nothing, there you go. But listen to what it says, do nothing. And by the way, the Greek word for nothing means nothing. Um, So, do nothing out of what? Selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others. Oh, ouch. Did I just say I'm going to do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit? There goes my whole week. And guess what? In humility, I'm going to consider others lesser, equal, better than myself. That is ridiculously hard if you leave your house for five minutes. How many of you ran into somebody this week that you can say, they ain't better than me? Oh, come on, you're lying. Uh, Or you're just so steeped in self-conceit. There we go. How many of you drove near somebody who isn't a better driver than you? It's hard. It's hard, it's hard, it's hard. It's, It's impossible to think of somebody who's better than you, particularly some of the people I run into. (laughs) And when I look at this, it's hard. The word for humility is this word right here, and I don't want you to strain and hurt yourself in saying this word. Go ahead, Melinda, give it to us. Starts with tape. There it is. Try to say that five times real fast. Try to say it one time, we may have to call an ambulance. All right? You guys are trying to keep on going. All right. Keep on going, you'll get it eventually. But it means modesty and humility. Humility or humility of mind. Not to exalt myself above others. Loving others. This is what Jesus is talking about, about when we love others. It's not just a service. It's a tapana, whatever. You know, got it, right? That's what it is. It's a humility of mind, and that is a choice. That is a thought process that you have to have in your life. Because people will act 
nasty to you. People will be arrogant. And what I found is sometimes those who are in need the most are the nastiest and the most wanting desire and and expecting. They're the ones who feel like they are more privileged than anybody else to get something. I deserve, I deserve, I need, I need, I need. Gimme, 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 gimme. They're like the little shop of horrors. Feed me, give me, I need it, right? And yet it's hard to love them in the midst of that. And then those who are very privileged, they're also hard to love because they've got so much. And yet, I'm supposed to have a humility of mind. Because in verse 4, it continues and it says this. Each of you should not look to your own interests, but also the interests of others. In verse 5, it says, your, what? Your, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Look at the person next to you. Say, your attitude. Your attitude. Your attitude. Say it again, your attitude. Your attitude. Your attitude. attitude. One more time. What is your attitude? Don't get an attitude with me, all right? Your attitude is what? What is your attitude? Your attitude is simply a little thing that makes a huge, a massive, a big difference. It's a little thing that can change the trajectory. I can't say it. The direction. There you go. Trajectory. There we go. Of your life. It can change the whole part of your life. It makes a huge difference, your attitude. I've seen people who, are, who have terminal disease who take that and they have such a positive attitude that when you go talk to them, they encourage you. That's attitude. I've also seen people who have a hangnail and act like it's the world and everybody should be <laughs> ministering to them. Your attitude changes everything. Like for instance, Having a positive attitude. Like, I'm going to say that maybe somebody in this room is not too smart. That you're not the brightest crayon in the box. You're not the sharpest bulb or the sharpest knife or the brightest bulb. That when it came to school, you, some people graduated summa cum laude. Some graduated cum laude. You graduated praise the laude. And, but you can look at it one way as I am dumb as a stick, or you can look at it this way, that there are those at the top of the class, and I made it possible by being at the bottom. (laughs) You see what I mean? It's a positive attitude about how we approach things. You may be like that kid who was in the backyard that day, and he had a baseball bat and and a ball, and he said, I am the greatest hitter in the world, and he threw the ball up, went, took a swing, And he missed, and he went, ha, 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 woo, okay. He grabbed the ball again. He said, I am the greatest hitter that ever lived. He threw the ball up and misses again. He's like, "Mm." he goes, reaches down, he goes, picks up the ball one more time. He throws it up. This time he's really ready. He takes a big swing, misses, and he stops, and he goes, woo, I am also the greatest pitcher in the world because I struck out the greatest hitter. It's about your attitude. You with me? It's your attitude. It's all about attitude. So what is your attitude? Your attitude is simply this. It's your mental habits. It's your habit of thought. It's how you've trained your mind to think. We've all done it certain ways. You see, we create habits. 
Some of us bite our fingernails. All right? Good habit, bad habit. Some of us eat well. Good habit or bad habit? <laughs> Go with me here, okay? Um, when cake's around, yeah. Um, some of you, who knows? I, you, you may have all kinds of, of habits. Some of you may pick your nose. I don't know, whatever you do. We all pick our nose, don't lie. Um, But they are repeated actions, whether good, bad, or indifferent. Our habits are things that we repeat, that we do. I still, to this day, am not thrilled about running. But I have to do it. I've got a habit of it. And when I don't have some level of that in my life, I feel like something's missing. Because I've made it a habit in my life. I had to. Okay? Before that, I made a lot of other bad habits. Everybody with me here? And so what I want to say to you is Paul did not simply say, have a positive attitude. Have a, just smile at it. When all the world's friends, smile, smile, smile. No, that's not what he's talking about there. What he says is simply this. He says, have a Christ-like attitude. Jesus wasn't smiling when he was whipping cords around in a temple. Verse 5 once again says this. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. And you see, in this world, it's tough because we are so self-focused. We've got to be first. We've got to be the greatest. I have to have more Facebook friends than my sister or my wife. I hope people responded to my Twitter post. If you don't believe me that we're not self-centered, let just have five random people jump in front of you in line at the grocery store. Your attitude should be that is the same as Christ Jesus. So I'm going to give you another mind shift. You ready? Number three. Pleasing God is not about self-promotion, but about self-abandonment. Pleasing God is not about self-promotion, but about self-abandonment. As we look further in the scripture, in verse six, it says, after we've said your attitude should be the same of that as Christ Jesus, in verse six it says, who being the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. Now the Greek word for grasp means to rob, to plunder, or to rape. And when I started looking about this, you know, I always thought, oh, give me. But here he is, fully God, but he didn't consider equality with God something to just be be robbed or plundered. Here's what he says, you know, who, who else thought that they should be like God? Somebody named Lucifer in the Old Testament. His name, we call him Satan or the devil. And five times in Scripture, he says, I will. I will ascend to the throne. I will be like God. I will, I will, I will, I will. I will be like God. In Genesis, in the early part, when Adam and Eve are there, one of the things that he does to tempt them and to get them to go into sin is to say this. He says, surely you will not die. You will be like God knowing good and evil. And he totally didn't lie. He twisted it a little bit. And you know what they did? They grasped at it. Jesus had every right to come down and say, I'm him, watch my power, worship me, do whatever. But he became nothing. He became a servant for those who sinned and those who didn't show him love. He became nothing. And as I look 
further the scripture, who being the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. But in verse 7 it says, but made himself what? Nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. The greatest of all, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator of the universe, became nothing. And you know what's really interesting? There may be people here right now that you're looking at your life and you're thinking, I am nothing. I feel like nothingness. And I'm going to tell you something good. Because I, I look at the scripture, anybody know how God created? He created the world from what? Nothing. From nothingness. He spoke it into existence. And what I like to say is when you think of yourself as something really, really special in life, God can't do anything with you because you've got all the answers. But when you think of yourself as nothing in the hands of the potter and the creator, he can do all things through you. Jesus made himself nothing. It's a mind shift. It's all about self-abandonment. He left his throne. When we recognize in self-abandonment, it's not my life but his that I belong to Jesus because of his sacrifice on a cross and he died and he who is the greatest, the creator, became nothing so that I, he could bridge the gap that m- me, Jack, who is nothingness because of his sin can once again become and be called a child of the king because of him when I give my life to him. Jesus became a servant. Now you know what's really cool here? In the beginning of this a book of uh, Philippians, in the beginning of this, if you go to Philippians chapter 1, if you have your Bibles, this is the only book Paul does this. In every other book, Paul says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, Paul, the apostle, the apostle Paul, goes to this. This is the only time he does this, and I want to read to you verse 1. It says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. They don't mention He doesn't mention his rank as being an apostle, but he calls himself a servant. The term for that is, here's your other Greek term, doulos. It means a slave, a servant, or literally it means devoted to the will of another. Jesus became a doulos. Why? Because Jesus became devoted to the will of another, and that was his father. Here's the mind shift number four. Mind shift number four is, serving is not what I do. A servant is who I am. Serving is not what I do. A servant is who I am. I don't know about you, but I like to be served. Anybody like to be served? I like it. I li- you know, I, I like, I, it's, it's good to be served. Like when you go on vacation... And you say, could you bring me? And they do it. Isn't it nice? I wish my kids would adapt that. Hey, can you get me that? And you ask 25 times and you end up getting it yourself. Anybody with me? Um, they haven't adapted that servant attitude yet. And they're all things. But we like to have other servers. We like to be served. Why? And here's why I really truly believe why. Because we really don't truly see ourselves as a servant of Christ. Now, I'm not saying it's wrong when you go out and you get dinner and somebody brings it. I don't think they want you in the kitchen messing. But what I'm saying is, in life, it's serving and helping. And back when I was in college, I, I had a job as a casual carrier at the post office. And I worked seven, uh, six days a week. 
um, in casual carrying, and it was back in like 1993. Um, I know that's older than some people in here. Um, we, we hitched up the dinosaur and took the mail. Um, but um, I remember when the first day I started, it was just 100-degree weather every day for the first two weeks. Um, and it was, it was a lot of work, a casual carrier in Claymont, Delaware. And I remember on my route, there was this one lady. She was probably about 400 years old um, or close to it, give or take a day. She was, a, she was an older lady that lived by herself. And I remember her name was Mrs. Rhodes. And I remember I go to the house and I had heard stories of Mrs. Rhodes. She'll want you to do this for her. She'll want you to do that for her. She'll want you to do this. She'll want you to do that. She wants you to, so so they, they gave me the plan of Mrs. Rhodes. You would look to see, and then you would quickly get her mail together and dart up and put it in and then go. All right? Otherwise, you're going to be there a day. And there was actually some story that she tried to kiss a male person one time. I don't know. <laughs> but so anyway, so we were kind of scared of Mrs. Rose uh, a little bit. But one, one day, here I go. I'm coming up to deliver her mail. I got her mail ready to chuck it in and run. And I put it in, and I took off, and I heard this, hey, hello, excuse me. And I could have easily have acted like, hmm, here we go. I'm sorry, I didn't hear you, you know, and, and come back the next day. But there's that part in me that's like, oh. and she's, hello. I said, yeah. Oh. So I said, okay, I go back. She said, could you do me a favor? No, I'm keeping my distance because I don't want to be kissed by a 400-year-old, all right? <laughs> so could you get these bird droppings off here? I'm like, <laughs> I've got this last bird out and I'm done. All right, all right, I'll go ahead and do this. And so I go ahead and then it just kind of hit me. Who does stuff for her? Who does stuff for her? And as I sat there, I said to her, I said, is there anything else you need? She said, well, I need some groceries. I said, all right. So what do you need? R- write it down for me. And she wrote it down for me. And after a long day of work, because I lived right, my parents and I lived right down the road from um, the post office, I went home and I got in my car, went to the, the local, I think it was Acme or A&P, one of those back then, and I went and grabbed what she needed and I took it to her again, keeping my distance because I don't want to be making out with a 400-year-old. Um, and so, and she was so thankful and she had l- made tea and things and she just, the rest of the summer, she was always waiting there for the drink or something. And I realized that, you know, that's a servant attitude. I could have easily gone on, and guess what? She may not have had groceries. She had the capability, but couldn't get there. And it was funny, about three years later, uh, maybe, maybe four, um, I, I was doing a, a service at a, um, I was working for a, a retirement community, and we went into this one place, and I looked over, and sitting there was Mrs. Rhodes, who is now in here, um, she was about 500 now, um, and, but um, she didn't remember who I was, but I remembered her. Because it's not about me, it's about him. And sometimes I believe God places those situations in your life just to see how much you do love him, if you love him enough for others. So I, what happens is I don't come to church to serve, I serve because I'm a follower of Christ. If someone is in need, I don't do something good for them, I do something out of my servant attitude and nature, a servant who belongs to Christ. Jesus did not say, I came to be served, so serve me. He said, I came to serve others and lay down my life for them. And if you look in 
verse 8 through 11. Being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Last week we heard Paul say, to live is Christ, to die is gain. How can Paul, who is chained to different Roman soldiers every day for 24 hours, seven days a week, facing a trial for his life, how could he say things like, to live is Christ, to die is gain? Because he thought like Jesus thought. And he lived like Jesus lived. Our final mind shift. You ready? My joy isn't based on what happens to me, but on what God is doing in and through me. My joy is not based on what happens to me, but what God is doing in and through me. Last week, the Apostle Paul said, but this happened to me to advance the gospel. It's not what happens to me, but it's what God's doing. In verse 17, which I have printed in the bottom of your bulletin, look at what Paul says at the end of all this. He says, but even if I am being poured out like a drink offering, he says, even if it costs me everything, including my life, on the sacrifice, and service coming from your faith, I am glad. Everybody say, I'm glad. glad. And I rejoice. rejoice. I'm glad. glad. I'm glad. glad. And I rejoice with all of you. Why is he glad? Because it's not about him. It's about Jesus. It always has been and always will be. If I think like he thought, I can live like he lived. Serving is not what I do. A servant is who I am. Pleasing God is not about self-promotion, but it's about self-abandonment. My joy is not based on what happens to me or what someone does to me. It's based on what God is doing in and through me. We serve an awesome God. And when we have a mind shift, we don't have to sweat the small stuff. Because guess what? To live is Christ, to die is to gain. Amen. Stand with me and pray. Father, I pray right now, by the power of your word, that you will change our perspective. That God will start to see things and think about things from a different way. That will bring more honor and glory to you. Today, I know, Lord, we're all praying and we're reflecting right now. And I know that many people here may be facing obstacles, hurdles, and challenges. And some things we just don't understand. It's easy to get, our, to get self-focused in our viewpoint. Maybe you're saying, God, I really want to see things from the way you see them. I want to think the way you do. I, want to, I don't want to be so wrapped up in my perspective that I can't see you, God. So give me some mind shifts to help me in these things. God, help me to have your perspective. Help me to see the way Jesus does and think the way he does and think like he did so I can live as he did. And so if you say that, you say, yes, I really do. I want to think as he did. And I want to live as Jesus did. Just kind of raise your hands where you are. If you're there. All right. I thank God for all of you who are hungry for the mind of Christ. And I pray that he'll give you exactly that. And God, I also pray that you would give us the ability to think on things which are pure and admirable and excellent and praiseworthy. 
renew our minds, that we wouldn't conform to the patterns of this world, but we would be transformed by the renewing of our minds, that our joy is not based on what happens to us, but on what you are doing in and through us. And God, as we pray, I pray that we may learn by the power of your Holy Spirit and the truth of your word to think like Jesus thought, that you would help us live as he lived for your glory. There are so many people, I'm afraid, who have the wrong mindset about God. They think, oh, God's out to get me. He's mad at me. This is why it happened to me, because of this. And others say, hey, God doesn't care at all what happens to me. It's no big deal. But I want to give you a mind shift. Let's have that mind shift that the reality is that God does love you. He cares for you extremely and very, very much. And he cares about how you live. And the truth is that all of us are sinners, every single one. And you may say, well, I'm good. And the answer to that is no. No one is good, not one of us. Look at little toddlers. They'll tell you. So here's a mind shift. Jesus did something for you that you couldn't do for yourself. He was the perfect sacrifice. You shed his blood on a cross for the forgiveness of your and my sins. Here's a mind shift. You can't be good enough, but it's only by the grace of God, that amazing grace we started this service with, that you're saved. And there are those of you who need to call on him for that now. You'll never be good on your own in this mind shift. You'll call on him today. He'll forgive your sins. He'll fill you with the spirit and you'll be able to connect to God in a new and powerful way. And this last mind shift, it's going to be a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, not a religion. And that's why you're here. And so if you believe in this, just repeat after me. I need your forgiveness. I need your presence. I need your grace. I've sinned, and I need your love and forgiveness in my life today. So today, I don't ever want it to be about me. I want to lay down my life. I want my life to be all about you. Today, I give my life to you, Jesus. And if that's your prayer, all our churches, just raise your hands high and say, God, that's what I want. Amen. Lord God, we just praise you and thank you. Just minister in a powerful way. And if you want, come down to the altar and just we'll, we'll have people here to pray with you just to go ahead and help that with this mind shift. Amen.
Become more aware of your presence and let us experience more of your goodness. That's my prayer for you this week as you leave here, that you'll just become more aware of the presence of God and everywhere we go and that our perspective will change a little bit because guess what? I know there's a lot going on. And there's a lot of pain, a lot of sorrow, a lot of things that are there. Let God minister to you with the mind of Christ.
all right? I hope you have an awesome week in the Lord. Next week, we're going to have our third week. It's going to be called See Saw. Don't worry, I'm not going to have a seesaw up here. But it's going to be called See and Saw. And I hope that you have an awesome week. Um, Share some of that love for others before you leave. Say hi to somebody and may the goodness of God just be throughout your entire week. May you be filled with his Holy Spirit and may you see things and experience him in a new and powerful way. Amen? Amen. 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 Have a great week. I'll be back. And through it all, through it all, it is well. And through